0: 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. We'll talk about what that means just briefly. Be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and spot. Let's just go ahead and keep reading. The blood of Christ is precious. Precious to us. Eternal blood. Because in Revelation, we read that Jesus washed us from our sins... In his own blood. We came to him defiled. We came to him dirty. We came to him unholy. Unacceptable. And unprepared. For heaven. We came to him without hope. And in all of our filth. and all of our uncleanness. We came to him. And he washes us. White as snow. Washes us pure and clean. As any angel in heaven. And he does it. By the merits of His own death and His shed blood. Washes us from our sins. And it is precious. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. And our last verse here. Who by Him do believe in God, that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. This season... I want us to remember that our faith and our hope is in God. My hope, my eternal salvation, is not in anything that I've ever done or anything that I ever will do. It's not in my merit. It's in the merit of Christ. It is in His shed blood, the atonement that He made on the cross. He paid the penalty for my sins. Therefore, I can be forgiven and washed clean because I hope in Him and I trust in Him. And the same is true for every believer today. And so what should be our response? He was holy, was he not? (laughs) There's only one man who ever lived on this earth who was perfectly holy, and his name is Jesus Christ. We're going to try to be holy, but we're not going to be perfectly holy. Our job is not to be perfect. Our job is to go on and be purified. We're to seek purity. We won't be perfect until we get to heaven, till the job is done and our salvation is completed, then we will be perfect. So our job is not to say I'm perfect and I'm better than others. No, there's only one man that's perfect. Our job is to seek for purity of life and purity of spirit and everything that we do. So I want us to think about that as we get started. And I really want us just to focus on... That one verse there, in verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy, in all manner of conversation. That's your behavior, your conduct, your, your manner of life. Alright, can we go ahead and have a word of prayer there? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, and we are rejoicing, thanking you this morning for the precious blood of Christ. Thanking you for um, sending your Son... Who was born of a virgin entered into this human race and he lived to die he lived to do his father's will and to lay down his life as a ransom for many and I'm so glad that today Lord that I got in on that. thank you for making me a part of this and thank you for giving us the church thank you for the 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 uh, the different ordinances that we have and the things that the Bible tells us to do, like uh, bringing an offering on the first day of the week. And, and uh, for being able to participate in the gospel ministry. And Lord, to see the joy of children and the smiles on their faces. And, and the way that they just, uh, just love being here and love being a part of it. Lord, may we have that same kind of joy and be cheerful givers. Not just giving our money into the plate, Lord, that's the very least... That we could do, but help us to offer ourselves to you, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to be holy and to be acceptable to you. It is our reasonable service, Lord. It's only reasonable. I pray, Father, this morning that if there be one here today, I don't know that there is, but if there be one here today that's not saved, has never yet trusted you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And I pray, Father, uh, for the children that are learning in Sunday school and preparing their Christmas uh, program. Lord, that you'd bless them in that. That you'd make this a memorable time. Touch their hearts with the, with the uh, truth of this season. And Lord, uh, I pray that you'd help all of us, God. We can't do it without you. It's impossible. But help us, Lord, to live lives that are pleasing to you and acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name. Amen Amen. and amen. Alright, so we have a command here. Really the greatest command of this chapter uh, is the command to be holy. When you're studying books of the Bible, especially the letters uh, that were written by the apostles, what you're looking for is you're looking for commands. Those commands are verbs, and that's where a preacher gets his main points from. If he's studying the Bible and if he's preaching Biblical messages. You say, what's a biblical message? The big word for it is expository preaching. Um, But what it means simply is this. A biblical message means that the preacher gets his message from the text. The, The message comes from the Word of God. Not from the preacher's own thinking. Not from the headlines. Not from what he sees going on in his church. But he gets his message from his daily reading in the Word of God. And then this message that's derived from God's Word is therefore what? It is God's Word. It's God's voice speaking to us. And God will put a particular message on a preacher's heart. He'll preach from the Word of God. And, and in this church, when you bring your Bible in here, you're going to need your Bible and you're going to want to leave it open because we're going to be referring to it constantly because I'm seeking to be a biblical preacher and preaching the Word of God. And when I do that, I'm studying and I'm looking for commands, these verbs that they call imperative. And imperative means that it is imperative that you do this because it is a command coming from a higher uh, power, coming from somebody who outranks you. Amen? Those of you who have a military background understand that, that there is rank and that you obey the last standing order of a superior officer, of of a, a commissioned officer who's over you. That our, our, our duty is to obey the Word of God. And the Bible tells us how we are to obey the Word of God. And it tells us why. It gives all of these things to us. And today we're looking at holiness. And this is something that oftentimes we feel uncomfortable speaking about. But, but listen to this. Do you hear the voice of God speaking to you when I, when I read this text? But as He which hath called you... You were called with the gospel when you heard the gospel and responded in faith. You responded to that call to be saved and to repent of your sins as he which hath called you as holy as Jesus. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Do you hear the voice of God in that he speaks firmly and he speaks with concern And he speaks with love and care. All the love and care of a father, a good father. He even says, as obedient children, in verse 14, you see that? As obedient children. He wants us to be obedient. Do you remember what we were called before we were saved? Ephesians, Uh, the second chapter, Paul says we were disobedient children. And then he saves us and makes us into obedient children. What does it mean to be an obedient child? It means to be, to be holy. Now, uh, don't worry. I'm not going to talk about um, necessarily your clothing. I probably won't even talk about that at all. I don't have any plans to. I'm not going to talk about um, your choices of entertainment, although that's involved in it. I'm not going to talk about the company that you keep, although I think all of that is involved in a holy life. I'm not going to talk about our style of worship, although I think that is a part of it as well. It involves our whole life. I'm not going to talk about whether or not you should get tattoos or smoke cigarettes, although all of those things are involved in it, I think. I want to get at the heart of the matter but when we hear holiness, we, all, we automatically think that He's going to take away everything that we enjoy. He's going to tell us everything that we can't do. And uh, guys, that falls so short. If you study holiness and biblical holiness, it falls so short. I was listening to a uh, Hutterite preacher. He's on Sermon Audio. You say, what is a Hutterite? Well, think Mennonite. They're a lot like the Mennonites, but they're a different group. And um, they have their own kind of clothes. And he says, "You can." As, as I'm listening to this guy preach to his people about personal holiness and modesty, um, he's preaching and he's saying to his own people, "He said, you think that you're holy because of what you wear? You know, they have their the women have a certain kind of dress that they have to wear, and everybody in that particular group." Whatever that Hutterite group is within a particular sect will wear the same looking kind of dresses. They don't buy them from the stores. They make them themselves. All the guys wear the same kind of clothes and shirts and hats and cut their hair the same way and their beards the same way because they think by doing this, it makes them more holy, which is not true. But he was confronting his people. He knew his, his crowd and he said you think that by dressing a certain way, being different from the world, cutting your hair a certain way, wearing certain things on your head, it makes you more holy, and it doesn't. It might be a part of your personal conviction about what modesty is, and that's good, and that's all a part of it. But that's not really what we're talking about. And I think that when you hear me talk about holiness, you're going you're gonna to hear me say things like, women, you shouldn't be wearing makeup. Guys, you shouldn't be wearing, you know... Uh, tight-fitting shirts and unbuttoning your shirts and things like that. And you shouldn't be wearing uh, skinny pants and stuff like that. That's what you think I'm going to talk about. So we automatically, well, you know, whoa, what's he talking about? We're going to talk about this all Christmas season. Let me explain, okay? First of all, is it not a command? Is it not a command? It's a command, right? Okay, so we're to do it, right? Right? Jesus was holy. We're supposed to be holy. This is an inspired penman within the New Testament. One of Jesus' closest men, his right-hand guy. And he said, this is what Jesus wants. He wants us to be holy. So, right off the bat, as a Christian, I say, I'm in. I want to be holy. But I just want to do it biblically. Right? I want to do it biblically. Okay? Here's uh, some groundwork. The word holy means to be holy. Separate, to be separate, to be set apart. That's what the word literally means in the New Testament language that it was originally written in in Greek. To be set apart, to be separate. That means to be set apart from this world. To be separate from this world. God wants you and He brings you to Himself and He takes us literally, takes us out of this world. When God saved you, you didn't know it, but God kidnapped you out of the devil's house. You were a child of the devil. You were a child of disobedience. Your father was the devil. And God went to the devil's house and kidnapped you. And the devil wasn't happy about it. And he sets you apart. Separates you from this world. He wants to separate you from the the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life. He wants us to be separate from sin. And separate from our old sinful lives. To be separate. To be set apart. The word holy is synonymous with the word sanctified. They're the same Greek words translated two different ways. Set apart. To be separate. Holy, sanctified, same thing. So when God sanctifies us in our lives, He sanctifies us initially with salvation. We'll talk about that in detail in just a moment. There's an initial sanctification. Then there is a progressive sanctification. As you move throughout your life, He is progressively more and more setting you apart. And then at the end of your life, when you go to meet your heavenly reward, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord immediately... Then you are sanctified completely. Sanctification is in three tenses. If you're saved, you have a past sanctification. You have a present sanctification. God more and more setting you apart, separating you to himself, making you more holy. You see, he does the work. And then you have a permanent, final, future sanctification that uh, none of us have gone through yet. You know why I know? Because you're looking at me. Either that, or I'm looking at your eyelids. I'm just kidding. If you want to have a good nap, go ahead. If you want to lay down, go ahead. You know, God giveth. Uh, he giveth his beloved sleep. Amen. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Somebody says, "I sleep so well when the preacher preaches." Never get better rest than that. And uh, the Lord wants to move us along in holiness, but you know what? It takes obedience. We are set apart... Think of two words, okay? Two words. We are set apart to something, and we are set apart from something. Two words. To and from. One is positive, One is negative. We are set apart to God. That's the positive. Separate from the world, sin, the devil... Set apart to God, and then here's the negative. Set apart from our old, sinful lives. That's God's plan. That's how we need to think about it. We live in a day where sin is like a dirty word. We don't talk about that. And uh, we live in a day where they're calling good evil and evil good. And making everything the same. Everybody get along and we'll take away all distinctions. You know what will happen when they take away all distinctions? The people with all the power will persecute the little people until they get their way. That's what will happen. So we need to be separate to God and from something, from sin. I heard about a teenage boy who just turned 16 and he wanted to get his license and he came to his dad and he wanted his dad's keys. You know, And he said, Dad, I want to learn how to drive. And his dad said, well, son, that takes great responsibility to be trusted with the keys and with the car. And I, I don't think you're as responsible as what you need to be. And his son said, what do you mean? He said, well, your grades, they need to come up at school. Your grades have dropped. And, uh, and he said, there's a couple other things. He said, uh, you need to be reading your Bible every day and you don't read your Bible every day anymore. And he said, OK. And he said, then you need to get a haircut. so his son went away and he said, okay, I'll do it. And he started working on these things and working on his grades. And he came back to his dad and he had his report card and he said, look, dad, I got A's and B's. And he said, well, good. That's one third. That's one third of it. And he said, no, no, I've been reading my Bible every day, too. And he said, all right. Well, that's good. That's two thirds. And he said, you know what, dad, I was reading my Bible and I found out that Jesus had long hair. (laughs) Which is not true. Jesus did not have long hair. But his dad said, okay, I've been reading my Bible too. And yeah, Jesus had long hair, but you know he walked everywhere he went. (laughs) You know what? That father wanted his son to obey and to be responsible. And if he did, he could have the car keys. Our father wants us to obey. And oftentimes, He just speaks to our heart because our lives are so different. We all come from different backgrounds. And oftentimes, it looks like this. He just deals with you about something, and He says, I, You're here. I want you to come here, and uh, I want you to work on this. And He puts His finger on something in your life, and as you obey and say, Okay, I'll do that. I'll get my grades up. You know, Then once you get there, He'll tell you something else, and He'll keep working on you. But the idea is to be set apart from our old lives and to be set apart to God, getting closer to God. All right. So holiness is a tough thing to understand. I admit that it is. And I don't want to compromise anything. I'm not doing that this morning. I'm not saying go ahead and be as worldly as you want. Uh, This is what I would say. Get as far away from the world as what you possibly can. If the world is doing it is wrong, do the exact opposite and it'll probably be acceptable to God. Just do the opposite of whatever the world is doing. If the world says, get half naked, then just cover everything up. You see what I'm talking about? I mean that this morning. I'm not saying compromise. But I'm saying this is between you and the Lord. I don't know if you know it, but we don't check your clothes when you come in here on Sunday morning. So we're not talking about that. Okay? We're talking about getting close to the Lord and separate from your old life. Okay, here's holiness. What does it mean to be holy and live a holy life? Because remember, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Your conversation is just simply your conduct, your manner of life, your behavior. So in every area of your life, be holy, be set apart to God. Set apart from anything that's evil or wrong and be obedient to the Lord. Okay, what does it mean to live a holy life? Well, Paul, he lays it out for us. I just want you to turn to one of these. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. The others I'll quote to you, but I'd like you to see this because this passage here really, uh, I tell you what, just fills my heart with thanksgiving and joy before the Lord, knowing uh, what Christ did for me in salvation, knowing where he brought me from. And uh, what he brought me out of, Amen. This this passage, I love this passage. It's negative in a way, but in a way, if you're on the right side of it, it's positive. It's comforting. First Corinthians chapter six and verse nine. What does it mean to be holy and to live a holy life? What does it mean to be holy and to live a holy life according to the scriptures? So let's compare some scripture with scripture. First Corinthians chapter six. And verse number 9. Know ye not, this is Paul now, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's going to list some people who are not going to go to heaven and the reasons why. Be not deceived, neither fornication, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Now he just described a bunch of sexual sins that are so prevalent and celebrated in our society. The people that do these kind of things, they're not going to heaven. they have to repent of them and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior in order to be saved. you see, Very serious stuff. Why does Paul say that? Who's he talking to? We always got to remember context. Who's speaking? Who are they speaking to when we study the Bible? He's talking to the church in Corinth. You say, what was going down in Corinth? Idolatry. They had their idolatry in their temples, and it was big, it was magnificent, it was central to their community. I mean, everybody was a part of this in one way or another, whether it was in kind of a respectable way during the daylight hours or in a really degraded, uh, debauched way in, in the darkness. Uh, men at the time would have their wife at home. And then they would have their mistress at the temple. And it was not uncommon for men to have same-sex uh, Illicit relationships through the temples. But they would go to the temple prostitutes. And they would go there and get drunk. And just get wasted. And uh, indulge in every kind of excess of life. Which Paul says is the kind of behavior from people who are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is trying to say, separate from that temple worship. That idolatry From your false gods. Separate from that crew. If that was you, praise God it's not you anymore. But if that was you, separate from... You say, why? These people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You've got to come out from among them if you're going to reach them. Verse 10. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom... Of God. You know what they used to do when, when I came home for Christmas break, um, Cambridge, Ohio? I'm coming home from Christmas break in the Army or when I was in college. This is what we would always do. We'd always go uptown, all the 20 somethings, go uptown to the Point Restaurant or go uptown to the Rocking Horse or whatever it was called at the time and go to the bar and go tie one on. That's what we did at Christmas time. You'd run into all your friends so-called friends, up there at the bars. And then you'd go from one bar to another bar, to the bar that's opened the latest. And then what would follow that is always sin and wickedness and everything that people do who are not inheriting the kingdom of God. We've all been there. That's not just my experience. This is modern-day America. This is what it looks like. And so when God (coughs) separated me from that, He separated me... From that to be different. To to turn my back on my old life of sin. And to come closer and closer to Him and His will for my life. And to be obedient to it. But praise God for what follows. In verse 11. And such were some of you. You're not anymore. That's who you used to be. Such were some of you. But ye are washed But ye are sanctified. That's holiness. Same word. But ye are justified. You say, what's that mean? God declares you righteous. God declares you not guilty. God declares you free from all impunity. You cannot be judged for your sins. Even if you did all those things. Even if you did every one of them. Check, 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 check. I did it all. God says, you're justified. He declares you to be righteous. In His sight. Obviously not based on what you've done, but based on what Jesus did. His atonement. His sacrifice on the cross. He declares you to be just so that God looks at you and says that you are holy. It's an amazing thing. God's the only one that can make us holy. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God, He even puts His name on it. You see that? What does it mean to be holy, to live a holy life? It means that God takes somebody who is unclean and makes them clean in His sight. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, I'll just read these to you. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Brother or sister, this morning, right now, if the devil will remind you of who you are, you remind the devil that I am holy and without blame. Before my Father in love. That's my position. And not only that, brother. Not only that, sister. Listen. Before the foundation of the world, God knew you. And knew His plans to save you. Knew that you would receive Him. Knew that you would be in Christ. And covered by the blood. And all your sins would be under the blood. And that you would be holy and without blame. Before Him in love. So anytime the devil tries to come around or any one of your old friends comes around and said, I know you. Uh, we, remember back in the day? You just say, listen, that's not who I am anymore. That's the old man. God made me new. And I'm not perfect, you know. But I'm, I'm seeking purity. And I'm not judging you and looking down on you, but I'm seeking purity of life. You know, I read on Facebook... A phrase that we all know, uh, just recently though, I I read that, I'm not who I want to be, but praise God, I'm not who I once was. Something to that effect. I'm not who I used to be. Amen. I love that. I love that. And that's a personal thing for me, deeply personal. I'm just sharing it with you because I happen to be the one that's up here preaching the Word of God. But to know that I'm chosen... Chosen, selected by God to this. And the way that I got in on it was when I believed. And if you believed, you got in on this thing too, and you, will, you are one of God's chosen people, separated from this world for this purpose. These are the glories of our salvation. He makes us holy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, But of Him are ye in Christ... Jesus. So what are we in Christ Jesus? Who of God has made unto us wisdom? In Christ I have wisdom. And righteousness? Christ is my righteousness. You say, I look back on my life and I see filthy rags. I see dirty stuff. I see a checkered past. No. Christ is your righteousness. He gives you the righteousness of Christ. That's how He can call you holy. Holy. It's because when God looks at my life, he has to look through the blood, so to speak. Amen. He looks and he sees really the the person of his son and the merits of his son. And I'm in his son. So Christ is my righteousness. And sanctification. Hold on a minute now. It is Christ who sanctifies me, not myself. You can try to do this and try to do this. And listen, work until you're, you know. Blood, sweating blood and, and, and sweating, uh, sweating and, and bleeding and, and with great tears and many prayers and work very hard to try to be holy and you can't do it. Christ is our sanctification. He sanctifies us and our Redeemer. Sanctification and redemption. Let me summarize it in two points. We're brought into a state of holiness not by what we do, but what, by what Jesus did for us. Are we brought into this state of holiness or justification? He cleansed us from sin through His forgiveness. To be holy means that God looks at us as though we had never sinned at all. And to be holy, to continue in progressive sanctification, it is something that Christ has to do for us. He said in John 17, verse 17, "...Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth." We grow in holiness and sanctification by constantly learning the truths of the Bible and living by them. That's why church is so important. Coming together and fellowshipping with believers and finding encouragement and continuing in your study in the Word of God. This saves your souls. This sanctifies you through the truth of the Word of God. If you're not in this, you might find that you're struggling a whole lot with sin. Look, I, I don't know who it was that said it, but I remember my, my grandpa's Bible that he got from Second Baptist Church in Cambridge. Just a little Schofield Bible that he got when he was just a young man and went to that church and was baptized there. And on the inside cover of that Bible, some preacher wrote, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. I don't know who first said that, but listen, that's not Scripture, but that's pretty good. This book will keep you from sin... Or sin will keep you from this book. How's your relationship with this book this morning? That's how you continue on. Something that Jesus does when we get into the Word of God is say, I want to study it for myself. And when you come to church, you're really into it. You're really actively listening and studying and praying and saying, God, what what is for me in this message? And what would you have to apply to my heart? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we grow in holiness when we work hard at trying to keep sin out of our lives. We work hard at it, trying to keep it out, but recognizing that we can't do it on our own. So when you're doing all the things that God tells you to do in order to be sanctified, He gives you means of grace. Let me just wrap it up here. I'm coming to the end. He gives you means of grace. Don't miss this. You say, what are the means of grace? I feel like I'm struggling so much. What can you tell me that will help me? What can you tell me that I can actually do if I'm supposed to work hard at keeping sin out of my life? What can I do? Means of grace is the Word of God, prayer, fellowship of believers, the ministry of your local church, And the ordinances. And there might be some other ones, but those are the big ones. You say, what's a means of grace? That's what God gives you to help you out. He knows you're going to struggle. He knows you're not going to be perfect in holiness. He knows it's going to be hard work for you. It's not going to come easy. It's going to be hard work. And so you'll find that when you do all of these things, that it strengthens you. I I found it very hard to live for the Lord until I got into a church and got all the way in, fully committed. And I look back and how the Lord used the church and used the ministry of the Word of God and how He helped me. And like I said, I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I once was. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know what God wants us to do? How can we ever hope to live holy lives? On our own, we can't do it. He wants us to give, uh, give Him our bodies. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Give your bodies as an offering. When that plate comes around, just jump in it. Give your bodies as a living sacrifice to Him. Listen, don't miss this. This is my final, uh, f- my final statement before I close. God will grant holiness. This is a great promise of the Bible. God will grant holiness to those who obey Him. It's something He has to grant to you. It's something we have to work very hard at. But it's something that He has to grant to us. You say, that kind of sounds like like a contradiction. It's not a contradiction, but you'll find many things like that in Scripture. It's a paradox. He says that you have to work very hard at it. But at the same time, you're just offering up your body as a living sacrifice. And what is a sacrifice? Their, their legs and their, their paws are tied. They're tied to the horns of the altar. The priest is picking them up. The priest is in control. It's a paradox. But this is what God does. God grants holiness to those who obey Him. That's a benefit of obedience. So when you take that step, and God sees, okay, i got somebody who's working with me then God will grant you holiness of life. And you take the next step, and God will grant you holiness of life. It's just a promise from the Scriptures. You know, I uh, went up on Friday night to celebrate the 31st anniversary of uh, Bible Baptist Church. And Pastor Steve Lethley there, he started the church, he founded it 31 years ago, and has been going uh, faithful for the Lord ever since. I sat underneath his ministry, he was, uh, he was more of a mentor to me than anybody else, and learned a lot from him, and was uh, you know, happy to be able to come up there on Friday night and celebrate their anniversary with him, and how they, how they got started, and they asked me to sing some songs. And I started thinking about everything that the Lord did for me through that church. He did a lot of things for me through that church. But uh, one thing was for sure was while I was in Bible college, that church was praying for me the whole time I was down there. And there were some times where I really, really, really knew that I needed prayer while I was struggling. And I had a prayer, I had a prayer team, some prayer warriors praying for me. And I, and I told them, I said, thank you for doing that. Thank, they, they paid for my master's degree when I did that afterwards. Uh, online to get another degree. They paid for that, and they prayed for me through that. And you know, you have brothers and sisters here, and we can pray for one another. So we have that extra help. That's a means of grace. Pray for one another. We go out here throughout the week, and we go through all the trials and the tests of our faith and temptations and that are common to men, and we need the prayers of God's people as well. Well... Let's go ahead and just have a brief word of prayer. Then we're going to have communion. And this is how I want to put it to you in in an invitation. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. You see, it's a matter of the heart. This matter of holiness. And you could just say uh, to the Lord, Lord, you know how dedicated I am. You know how committed I am. You, you know if I'm fully dedicated or if I'm just kind of one foot in the church, one foot in the world. Lord, would you help me to move to a place of full commitment? Knowing that you expect nothing less, but that I would be holy. Would you help me in, my area, in the area of commitment? I struggle. Lord, would you incline my heart to love you more? And to love your will for my life. And to do it. Are you walking daily in the light with God. Where there is no darkness. Are you separated and set apart from the world's way of living. What if Christ would have returned on Friday night. Or Saturday night. How would he have found you. Would you be embarrassed or would you be ready, waiting and watching and longing for him? Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd seal this message to our hearts. Lord, we all struggle, every one of us. Holiness does not come easy, but I thank you, God, that you bless us, you grant us with holiness when we obey you. And Lord, we can uh, look back on our lives and just to know that You've brought us to where we are today. And I thank you, Lord, that such were some of us. Those things we read in Corinthians. But we're washed, we're, we're sanctified, we're justified. We thank you so much for that. Thank you for our Savior. Lord, if there be one here today that does not yet know Christ, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Listen to me. Uh, if you're lost here today, if you've never trusted Christ, as we're leaving today... Pull me aside. Say, I'd like to talk about that. Would you show me how to be saved? I want to do it. I just don't know how to do it. Lord, bless this next part of the service now uh, to uh, your honor and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.